When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It is the CBC Wisdom Hour, number 75 for November 19th, 2019. I'm Steve Witchell in New Orleans. Wow. Happy 75th episode. Tony B coming to you live from New Jersey. And Chonk is already in here and he said, hola, amigos. So he's speaking Spanish now. He's already here. Like, oh, ¿dónde está? Like, the theme was playing and he's there, which is great. I love that. Are you recording to Spreaker? Uh, yeah. I believe so. <laughs> I hope so. Chunk so. will tell us. He'll, he'll say, no, I can't hear you. But, no, but, Chunk's too busy shoveling snow because he got like five feet of snow. I remember. think they got melted out already, though. I think uh, the Arctic blast has gone away. That's no type of snow. <laughs> that's no winter. Oh, man. Snow here and then gone. That's what I love about New Jersey. Like When it does snow and it gets cold, snow stays around. You know, There's snow on the ground. And you like for that? Is that what you're saying? A while. Yes, you do like that. I like that too. I like all the change of seasons. I I, I honestly do. I do you know? too. I miss. I, it. I don't like to be stuck in one mode all the time. Yeah, it's a nice variety. I like it too. I miss it. I miss the the change of seasons. I mean, it happens here. It's like right now. It's kind of chilly. It's but it's uh, it doesn't happen as uh, drastically as it does in New Jersey. I suppose. Yeah, it's pretty abrupt here. Yeah, it gets hot here though. It's way too hot. I gotta find a yeah. new, new place to live in the summer. <laughs> I come live in New Jersey. Where do you live in the summer? I go to New Jersey for the summer. I, I ideally, man, I would like to have that. Like, like homes in the perfect climate for that time of year. Every, you know, wherever in so like a home everywhere where I can just go and it's the perfect climate. You know, uh, I read an article one time that um, Elton John has many homes around the world, right? And he spent like. $5,000 a week on flowers so he has fresh flowers in every house whether he's there or not in case he goes there I want that kind of money I want Elton John money where I can have fresh flowers wherever I go <laughs> just in case you walk in you, you want it to smell fresh and not musty sure of course who wouldn't want that pretty I, hip I, I do like things to smell good I, I, I have a Always, pretty much, always have either candles or a or an incense thing or the oil burner going in my apartment. Pretty much all the time. Usually, I have multiple things going to make things smell good. Why not? It's it's one of your five senses, and you want to olfactory uh, stimulation. Yeah, man. Um, excellent. It's the way it's quality. It's all about quality of life. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Um. So what's going on? How was your week? How is your week? How was your weekend? It was good, man. It was real good. I had um, 
let me think what's today today's tuesday already so yeah so since the last week very busy week last week uh i actually rearranged my studio room a little bit i i actually on saturday blocked out a four hour session and just played drums really and four and hours it was awesome. four hours that is some dedication man i wish i had my applause sound effect but imagine that, there it is Four hours. Thank you. That's because I've four very, hours. It's such a very and it went physical. By, it went by so quickly, dude. It wasn't even like four hours of like ah. Uh, it was like I got to go down. I played on the mega kit for you know I pra- I warmed up. I played on the pad. I played on the electronic kit for a little bit. Uh, and I played on the mega kit. I played on my blue kit, and then uh, yeah, I was just jamming. It was, it was a great, great session, dude. Four hours. It was it was awesome. By the end of the four hours, it, everything was like butter. Like I was able to play. So smoothly and fluidly and relaxed and just effortlessly and I just played it you know as long as I could. Good for you, man. Yeah, so that was a nice, nice little escape. That's a damn good exercise. Home, too. home, you know, cold income home from college this weekend. Chase was in the city. Karen was out. I had the whole house to myself, so I went downstairs and drummed. Good for you, man. It was quite, quite awesome. Yes. That's some that's some serious dedicated. That's such a physical activity too to do something like that for that long is uh, admirable. Well, it's conditioning too, you know. I mean, like you, like I wouldn't, I would say, wow, you know, your your fingers and to play for that long of time, your hand must get cramped up and stuff. But for playing drums for so many years, you know, it's it's muscle memory. So it's not as physical as you would think. Like I'm not all broken down in sweat like Rocky, you know. Like oh man, it's it's different, you know. When it, from all the years of playing and my years mainly of studying with Dom Famularo um you know in the molar technique and and all the different relaxation things you know you it's all economy of motion so I can get a tremendous volume out of right. a drum with with really no effort at all behind the stick like I don't have to bring it up over my head and smash it down you know what I mean I love that term economy of motion yes and when you set up your drum set in an ergonomic you know physical physically um you know, amicable, you know, something that's complementary to the way our bodies work and you don't have to reach for things and you and you understand the mechanics of because remember drums is the one unique instrument, right? Where you're using an uh, you're using a stick to strike an instrument, right, you know, to get a sound out of it. And depending on if you take ten people and line them up and and each give them a stick and they each get a turn to hit the drum one time, they're all gonna hit it differently. It's gonna sound differently. It's gonna have different energy, their personality is gonna come through in it. But once you understand how to get the most out of that stick and the relationship it has to the drum, that's how guys are able to play so fast, you know, with such speed and dexterity with no effort because they're utilizing, you know, physics of the fulcrum of the stick and the mechanics of the way that you're moving it. And, you're, you know, you're manipulating the sticks to, to do things that, you know, it takes a lot of time and practice and effort to, to understand how it works and get it to do that. But once you understand it, it's like snowboarding, you know, like you keep falling down, you keep falling down, all of a sudden you understand how it works and you're like, ah, and then you can build on it. Right. Yeah, that's great. I, I've gotten better, so much better over the years. I think it just comes naturally as you as you play more often, that economy of motion mentality, um, is, you know, especially with me, like where I've been playing for for long nights for for so long you don't want to, you don't want to strain your your hands you you just want you want it to be as easy as possible so you learn how to do things without moving right. your hands too much 
And plus I have, you know, I was also jamming along to, to tunes, you know, so like we had talked about playing along with records, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I did that over the course of that four hours too in, in multiple bursts and interims and genres. It was very interesting. Any, uh, any standout tunes? I played a couple of Rush tunes. I played, um, I went, I went through my repertoire of heaviness. I played uh, one of, of my favorite songs I played that day was Outshine by Soundgarden. Oh, that's a great one, man. Love that tune. And not crazy drumming-wise, you know, but just great groove and real tasty fills, you know. And, um, yeah, I just I, I ran the gamut. I, I played a bunch of tunes. Standout tunes, though, would, would probably be, you know, drumming-wise, would be any of the Rush genre things that I played. Or um, I played some Genesis, some old Genesis with Phil. Nice. Uh, so I had like a little progressive time. I had a little pop time. Um, very eclectic mix of of, of stuff, but it was good. It was just nice for four. And like the the amazing thing, and I'll close with this: is that the four hours went by. Like when I went back up, you know, cause I turned my phone off. You know, I like I wasn't, you know, I had it on airplane mode, but I was going in and out, going to YouTube and getting tunes, and I had some other tunes that I was, I was playing. But the four hours went by very quickly. You know, it wasn't like wow. Like when I went, when I d- definitely checked the clock, I was like, "Holy cow!" Right. I can't believe that that, that, that all that time went by. I have a request. You know, it, di- it didn't seem like that long. I have a request. Do you take requests? I do. Next time you do that, p- um, set up your phone or set up a camera and film some of it and send it to me so I can put this up on the on the sure. website for everybody to see you rocking. And you know what's really cool, dude, that you, you'll get a kick out of, too? Because I have, like, the two or three different drum sets set up right now, and I have the electronic drums, you know, everything has a different sound to it, right? Mm-hmm. So the Mega Kit, it's like, you know, it's a couple of drum sets in one, right? But the cool thing about the Mega Kit is it's got the big, deep 8-inch snare, and it's got the 36-inch marching bass drum that's wide open. Mm-hmm. So I grooved for, like, 25 minutes on just this on just a snare hi-hat bass drum Bonham-esque type of groove because it had that Bonham sound. Uh-huh. So the instant you start playing something and it has that vibe to it, that like that's something I want to talk about. Like the inspiration that you get from that. Like that took me, that when I sat down and was playing, just got done playing Rush, I sat down, I was playing the Mega Kit, you know, and it's like a very Terry Bozio, big, you know, six-inch concert tom all the way to 20-inch, you know, gong bass drum tom to, you know, four bass drums to 105 sounds. So you can play all kinds of stuff on there. So from going from this progressive metal, crazy, like busy, playing all kinds of stuff and then some solo drums, when I got to like that marching bass drum gigantic John Bonham sound, it immediately made me want to play a John Bonham groove. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah, that's cool how that uh, sound can inspire you to want to do more. Exactly. Yeah. And then for 25 minutes, I just jammed on that. Like I said, just kick, snare, and hi-hat. I did not play any toms, no cymbals, no ride cymbals, no nothing, you know? said that the hat's going, either eighths or offbeat eighths, you know, and just keeping a constant thing and just playing different patterns between bass drum and snare drum and running through a whole bunch of stuff. And you're right, I should, you know, definitely record it now. Yeah, time. please Some do. cool stuff yeah. comes out of that. And when I was younger, I used to record everything and then go back the next day and listen to it. And you're like, oh, I forgot I played that or listen to that thing that I did that I wasn't even paying attention to, you know? And then you pull out these little diamonds in the rough and you can polish them up and make, you know, either songs or cool grooves out of them. You know, we used to do that when we used to write music too. We would just put tape on. I always had a tape recorder behind the drums. And yeah. when all the guys in the band got there and they were all warming up, I would just press record. 
and we would just start jamming on stuff, you know, and yeah. then go back and listen to it, pull out different grooves and riffs and be like, dude, listen to that thing you played. That could be a good thing for a verse. And you go into this other piece, you know, from last week that could work with that. And right. That's how it works, man. But I was most, like I said, I was most excited and, and, and surprised that, like you said, when you hear when you hear a certain tone and it reminds you of something, it can pull you right into that direction and then you get sucked right in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's Which is awesome. Man. I remember when I used to teach drums at Richie's Music, they had this one kit in this one room, and it was like a world percussion, like cheap drum set, but it was wide open, and it had a, a real nice jazz ride on it, and it was a super jazz kit. Like, it sounded like big band, you know what I mean? So every time I was in that room, I would play for, you know, 15 minutes before lessons and just play jazz stuff because it was a jazz kit, you know what I mean? Like, it just begged for that genre to be played on it. It didn't want to have rock stuff played on it, you know what I mean? It had a very jazzy sound. Right. So it's cool how an instrument can inspire you to play a certain way. Yeah. And talking about recording things, like recording things all the time, I still have lots of tapes in a box somewhere of rehearsals from bands I was in 30 years ago. Um we used to do that too, but yeah, man, I I highly recommend like get um, you get one of those uh, clip things to, to put on a mic stand to hold your phone, and just you know put it in, try to set it up at oh, a good yeah. angle. But make sure now you... with the phones, dude, it's crazy. You know, just yeah, between the audio and the video quality, yeah, it's 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 killer. I record stuff on my phone when we jammed. I played it back to like my Bose system, and it was like sound like a record. Yeah, just make sure you shoot it horizontal. So like, um. Not not portrait wise, not up and down. You know what I mean? Like like make yeah, no widescreen stuff. Yeah, because a lot Absolutely. of people do that, yeah. and that's it's it's so it's kind of no. It's really annoying when you just put the phone vertical and you get that little little mini box. You know? Yeah, yeah. You need to people need to understand that. Just shoot, no, no bueno. Shoot portrait we'll or, or sh- don't there. shoot portrait. Shoot, shoot landscape, not portrait. Um, right, landscape. So I, I was reminded of this th- recently. You know, my we talked about a while. A little, my friend Neil died a couple months ago, and the guy Gary Wallman, who was his manager and his best friend and stuff, is is putting out his stuff now. Is putting out his old catalog, um, all of his albums. He had like nine albums, solo albums. And I joined this group on Facebook. It's for, uh, fans of Neil Casal, and and uh, and there's a lot of people in there. I see posts on there all the time. And they usually pop up on my newsfeed too. And uh, it was uh, l- last week at some point. It, this thing popped up, post on there. It said this guy was like, uh, "I just listened to Exire jam the hell out of uh, War Pigs," um, and and I was like, "What?" Like Exire was the band I was in with him back in the late '80s. Um, and I'm thinking like, we never recorded War Pigs. So I asked this guy, and he's like, "Oh, it's a bonus track on one of the albums that that Gary just released, and it's it's a basement recording of Exire jamming right, on War yeah. Pigs." And I'm like, "All right, I gotta hear this." <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? War Pigs, you know, back then. So the guy was really cool. He told me where it was. Um, so I went and listened, and it's like it's a real like bonus track on the album. Like there's there's a like a few minutes of, of si- dead silence before it comes on. And so I listened and I'm thinking, listening to this, like, and the guy too was like, Oh, like you're cranking on bass there, man. I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe I was good back then. I don't know. <laughs> so I go and listen to it and it is awful. It was just awful. <laughs> it was horrible. It was just like, Oh my God. I mean, 
I'm I'm a harsh critic on myself. Maybe awful isn't is too much, but it was just it sounded like eighteen, nineteen year old kids playing war pigs. That's what it which it way. probably was. And yeah. like you said, if the, if someone else hears it and loves it and thinks it's awesome, then so be yeah, it. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. But, but as for me, I was listening to it. I would like I was like ooh. Oh, ah, oh, uh. You know, Vinnie Caluda said it best. He said, out of all my albums, my videos, my whatever, performances, he said, they're all snapshots of time. It's yeah. all just about where I was at at that time, where my head was at. You know, and I had, you know, it's funny. I had a conversation with Joe Bergamini one time, you know, a great friend of mine, great drummer. He was um, saying that. When he just he would listen back, he used to be in a band, Eternal Vision, which is how I met him. You know, we used to play on a lot of double bills together, all original. And he was really into like uh, David Garibaldi. You know, who was drummer for Tower of Power at the time. And he was playing like a lot of linear grooves, which means like no two things at the same time. So not like chat, chat, but like chat, you know, like everything's linear, right? So nothing is it. It all moves left to right, but singularly. And when he listened, you know, and then years later, like 20 years later, I'm like, dude, but like, remember Eternal Vision listening back to that? And he's like, I don't even know if I could play some of those things now. Right. You know, like, because it was just your, your head was in a certain space back at that time and you were immersed in something and you played a certain way. And yeah. then 20 years later, you know, your life experience, your musical exposure, your musical experience, you know, the people you've played with, the influences, inspirations, just, you know, Things change and influence you as a person and a player, so that you know you can go back and play it. But I can remember even reading a magazine where Neil Pert was saying he had to relearn like Red Barchetta when they did like the R30 tour because he hadn't played it in such a long time. And I'm saying to myself, But you wrote the drum part, how could you? What do you mean you have to go back and relearn it? Like, right. isn't this something that you would just know? Like, I could sit down and play Red Barchetta right now, right? Like, no problem. Right. Like, I it's something I played when I was a kid, but I never forget it. But then you think, like, you know, he's 20 albums of material and you know, how many years of touring and how many thousands of performances, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just it shaped you to be, you know, in a different way. And you can see that in, in, you know, his evolution, but a lot of players evolution, you know, so it's always cool to go back and look at stuff and not so much be critical of how good it was, but just think like, yeah, that was where we were at at that time. Yeah, for sure. And, and I do have a lot of recordings like that that I haven't uh, explored yet. And uh, but I love it when one's come out, uh, you know, that I had no expectation that i had no realization existed i don't remember that like i i would never I, remember right. that and it's funny right at the end of it neil's like uh, he's laughing and he goes oh we're we're recording because <laughs> we <laughs> nice. used to do it once in a while i mean that was good really good practice back then that's something that we did back then and i don't know that a lot of people do it anymore but we used to record rehearsals always you know we would just set up a, oh, yeah. a little panasonic tape recorder and just hit record and let it roll and then listen back. And that was a really good learning tool back then. It's funny how, like, technology has progressed so much, but we but we were able to accomplish things like that with, you know, an analog tape recorder. And, uh, Dude, we had a bootleg connection where we would buy – they were, they were it was clear cassette tapes, right? But it was Max-L, uh-huh. ULX-90 tape inside, you know, spun up in the reels. But it wasn't in a Maxell case, and we used to buy a, a box of a hundred for a hundred dollars. There you go. So we would have a hundred tapes, clear tapes, you know, and then they give you the stickers for them and everything. You can make them up any way you want, and they came in, in cases, 
And he was like, you know, two briefcase size things of a hundred cassette tapes, fifty in each. Right, I it was a dollar that. tape. And back then, you know, those tapes were like four or five dollars each if yeah. you went to like Sam Goody or yeah. you know to go buy tape. There was no going online to Amazon and shopping it out. You know, you had to go to your local merchant and whatever it was, it was. Right. So we ended up getting these tapes, and like I said, so you know, hundreds of rehearsals because we used to just not record every single thing. But, you know, if we were working on something, we would record it or, you know, we had jam tapes. But I was I had this this uh, this boom box and the thing was half melted on the side because my bass player, his girlfriend <laughs> left her, her curling iron up against the side of it. So it, melt, it melted the side of the box. It was like a little distorted in the back. And every time you unhinge the pause button, it went tong and it made this crazy sound. So every recording started with tong and then it started playing <laughs> the music. And it was like it was like a gong, you know, so we always used to goof on that because it was it was just the noise the thing fucking made. But anyway, and for the longest time, man, that box was like it was beat on, like it had no antenna on it. The radio didn't work. All it did was record. But it it, it I guess the way that the condenser mic was built into the thing and the the way it, the, the compression it had on it, you could hear it when it would go and it would be real loud and all of a sudden it would go and it would suck down, you know what I mean? And the volume would like it would squish it, it would compress it. But the sound just from that, you know, radio in the room and us jamming, it was like crystal clear. You could hear every instrument perfectly, distinctly, and it was all like the same volume. It was like pre mixed. And I had that I had that tape recorder do for twenty years, and then it finally crapped out. That's yeah. Those things were diehards, man. They lasted like yeah. But now technology, like you said, that box of hundred cassettes, you can go buy a little terabyte recorder. You know what I mean? And have like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a year's worth of recording on it for yeah. like you know a hundred bucks. But we record everything digitally now. Like if you're going to record a rehearsal, you're going to do it on your phone, pretty much. Or yeah, correct. Or on a little you know piezo recorder with the X mics on it, right? Uh, but I don't know that a lot of people do that. I hope that a lot of people still do that when they're rehearsing, because it's a really it, it's great to have to look back on too, like we're talking about. But it's great for in the moment too, when you can go back and listen, and and really be hypercritical of what you're doing or or what's going on. If that's oh yeah, I can remember, like I can remember mistakes on tapes and taking the chords that he wanted to go dun dun, and he went dun dun. <laughs> and he said, oh, dude, like, do that again, because if you do that a couple of times and, and chunk on it, it can become, you know, it could, it could turn into this riff. And, you know, as a drummer, like I said, I was back then, I didn't know a lot about music, you know, even less than I know now about like chords and, and different progressions and stuff. But I could tell you if you were playing something right or if you were playing if you weren't playing it right. You know, like I did, I couldn't tell you what note you were playing, but I can tell you that that's not what that's not how it's supposed to sound. Sure, sure. Yeah. And sh same for shooting video, too. We used to do it with video, but not really so much at rehearsals. But I think uh, I think that's even better video at rehearsals. Oh, yeah. I mean, they that. say all, all the time. I remember every teacher I ever had always said, and even we had band coaches at one time, you know, because we were, you know, we were going to make it, too. We were serious oh, about sure. it, you know. So were we. We, were, we had all kinds of t talent, people working with us and stuff, and they believed in us, and it was great. You know, it was an awesome journey playing with Eye of the Storm. But um, th that's the first thing they would say, record yourself. You have to get comfortable with seeing yourself in front of a camera, and you have to be able to act like it's not there. Yep. So if you just start recording yourself all the time playing, then you're comfortable. If someone walks up to you and recording you, or if you're in the studio, you're not like, oh my god, this is going on. This is the take, mm -hmm. and I have to put it down. And it's going to be on the record, and people yeah. are going to hear it. You know, you you can't create when you're in that type type of headspace. You know? I remember that feeling, having that feeling recording too, when I was really young. Like, 
just went, yeah, when that red light's on, it's like, oh, like, Cindy, yeah, like you're Cindy not Brady. playing like with, you know, with any type of sincerity or creativity or lost in the moment. You're totally, you're there, but you're, you're conscious that this is being recorded, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a perk about uh, having been playing for a long time is that that kind of goes away. So if anybody's experiencing that, it goes away eventually where you just, you, you know, you're not thinking about it. I've been, I am it so. It does, or just play with reckless abandon and don't care, you know, and yeah. then it will be the same. I'm so used to being filmed. It's just like, well, it happens all the time, <laughs> you know, so it's like I can't be even uh, cognizant of it, you know, just like. I don't always see. Well, it's it. like these reality shows. After a while, you're you're you know you know what I mean. You're just not even paying attention. Like I would I would assume, if you're on the show, they're in your house. You know what I mean. Like you're in your kitchen making breakfast, and you have a camera <laughs> right. crew there with a guy with right. the you know, with the jib with the mic on and stuff like that. I would you know think that after a little while of doing that, you probably you know you don't even think about it anymore. Yeah, sure. Yeah, a lot of those people seem to be that way. Uh, Indeed. Yeah. So, um, I forgot how I was going to say That's pretty cool, man. So, how, so that was my week. How's your week? How's your week? Oh, going? I was good. I, I played, uh, four nights, subbed four nights at Crazy Corner. Had a great time. Uh, love playing with those guys. Um, it's very comfortable and fun. Uh, it was, it was, um, a bit of a slower weekend in, in the quarter because the Saints weren't playing at home. When the Saints play at home, it's a lot busier. And if LSU has a home game too, and I think LSU was away this weekend, but but still, you know, right? So they're all home stacked, right? But still, you know, good crowds, good energetic crowds, a lot of fun. It's always fun. It's uh, like sometimes it's it's sort of routine. I'm feeling it because I've been doing this for so long. But you always have moments during the course of the night that are that are special. That are like, oh man, this is this feels great, or this sounds great, or somebody played a really great riff, or it were, you know, there's always something that happens that makes it really, uh, really fun and special and, and an event in itself. Each one, I think we were talking about that last week too, about each one being an, an event. Um, you know, you do you know? And you say that. You know what's so cool about that? Like saying like each thing being an event, whatever. I just happened to stumble across an article online last week about Alex Van Halen and. Uh, the hit, all the chronological order of the first band that he was in with Eddie to the present day of all the different drum sets that he used and the configurations right? and every album and every tour and, you know, very, very cool stuff, dude. Like I said, I won't go into detail about it, but I don't know if you ever recalled like for a while, like Alex Van Halen always had four bass drums, like two out front, sure, and two more yeah. right left. So he had this gigantic drum set, you yeah. know what I mean? And he wanted it for show, and he and he always connected bass drums together, right? He had like a, a 24 by 18 deep with like an accordion piece of tubing with another 24 by 18 in front of it. Right. You know, or two bass drums fused together to make like a 24 by 36 deep, you know, or octobons or, you know, all this crazy stuff, gongs, right? He had a cooler in his bass drum at one time, but there was one drum set that he had that had like PA horns on the front of it. I don't know if you remember that, like cut into the bass drum heads were actual all tech Lansing horns like you'd have in a PA system. And he had four bass drums and they were like they looked like four big speakers. OK. And I remember back and he did it for a couple of tours. And I remember everyone. And remember, there was no Internet back then. Right. There was no YouTube. There was no way to look it up. 
other than if you had like a modern drummer magazine or, you know, you speculated. And I remember everyone saying like, oh, those are for show. And he's got this. And I said, I bet you that has something to do with like, he's got that somehow projecting bass drum sound through it, you know? So long story short, in this article, he explains all about how they would mic up the bass drum from the inside. And then the, depending on each venue, they would take like an hour before the show during soundcheck and the sound guy would go through all the frequencies on the parameter spectrum and find the most uh, harmonious ones for the room they were playing and then amplify those through those horns through his bass drum. That's pretty clever. Very clever. So I thought it was pretty cool. But that was what he said. He said every tour he wanted a different drum set and it had to be elaborate and it had to be cool and it had to, you know, represent what the tour was about or it had to be different in some way, shape or form, you know. And it is probably, you know, between 15 and 20 of these drum sets over all the years from the earliest, early, early days, early videos. Um, you know, they got like an early, early, like there was like a black and white picture and they're like kids and like Eddie Van Halen's dressed up in like a little Bo Peep outfit or something you know what I mean like mm -hmm. he's like got some kooky outfit on and he's just totally shredding and that, you know Alex is jamming out Michael Anthony and Dave Lee Roth but they're like you're young you know and they were actually called Mammoth back I, in the I remember day the, yeah Van Halen. I remember that I remember reading that about them and uh, yeah but they were talking about like all like the sessions of like the Diver Down Women and Children First you know Van Halen won how they wrote it how they recorded it you know what what they used what drums he used how they did it it was, it was very very entertaining and very enlightening to uh to see that but that's yeah it was like you said and that, and, and that so to summarize that the diversion what he was getting that was saying if I make a different drum set every tour, it will make me play differently. And you know, I have to play the so same songs the same way, but I have to think about them differently because I don't just have you know the same drums in front of me that I did when I recorded the album. Right. You know, and he was a purist about sound. Like he used Roto Toms on the 1984 record, as well as electronics like Hot for Teacher and all that stuff. You know, and he was all cutting edge on that. And what was really interesting was their audio engineer who toured with them. There was a point in time where Alex said, you know, the stage volume is just so loud. It's so distracting. There's so much ambient noise on the stage. It's really hard to hear what's going on. So this guy built him a set of in-ear monitors. Took a little you know, speaker for a hearing aid and then put it into this other thing, this interface. And it was, you know, it's hokey looking like a little rat rig, but it worked. And then years later, that guy went on to, to create a couple of different brands of in-ear monitors. But he was like, you know, Alex Van Halen was really the pioneer of in-ear monitors. He was one of the first guys to ever use them on tour. And they were homemade specials by his sound engineer. Well, how about that? That's a little trivia, huh? See? Wisdom hour. Yeah. A little wisdom? That's good. It's in the hour. Yes. Um, but yeah, so, it, you know, just to keep it so it's not routine. Like I said, when he would go to play, sure. he would be excited to play because it wasn't the same old drum set that he played all the time. You know, it was sure. different every tour. Yeah, when you're at uh, that kind of level, you're doing that kind of thing, you're playing original music, that, that's something that you can do. You know, my situation is uh, it be can become routine because you're just playing the same songs on the same stage with the same people through the same rig or night after night after night. And then year after year after year, it can become routine. But again, it's always different. You can play, I mean, we've talked about this before. You can play the same songs with the same people on the same stage two nights in a row, and each night will be completely different. So, Absolutely. Um, but it's interesting, like he, like Alex Van Halen, uh, 
kept all records of all that stuff of the details of it and being a techie and I, I'm I'm not I'm so not like that as far as uh like I can remember rigs I played through but I don't really care <laughs> all that much I just like does it feel good does it sound good to me okay cool that's it um I have a friend of mine who volunteered this a uh, couple weeks ago to me um and I don't know why he did he's just a guy who I know a bass player um and uh in a band that I sub with uh frequently and he said uh come on he likes to tinker with stuff so he's like come on over bring your basses over and we'll we'll set them up better and put some new strings on them and stuff um and I uh I'm like yeah I really need to do that cuz I, I I know how to do it but to me it's a pain in the ass it's not fun I don't it's I just don't really enjoy it at all. So I'm going to go tomorrow morning. I have to get up early tomorrow morning to go to this dude's house. And I'm bringing three bases over. And we're going to set them all up. Put new strings on nice. all of them. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about this. Because I like... Now are you just the action on it and the neck? Action, and the, yeah, yeah. You... New strings. Yeah, we'll just we'll make it tight. You know, we'll make it playing. Because I've played this guy's bases before. And he's got a lot of bases. And I've gotten up on stage and played his bases before, and they're always like butter, man. They're always, they're they're always, they always play perfectly. They're actually perfect. So this guy knows what he's doing, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. come on over, I'll do this for you, which is really very kind. And um, I, I, I I'm really excited about it because it's like the end result is going to be I'm going to have bases that play like butter and sound great and have brand new strings on them. And even though I have no gigs coming up, <laughs> I'm still going to have. Uh, when I do, the, yeah, but that doesn't matter though, dude. Because if you can play, well, I don't know how often you can play, but you know, like I remember putting new heads on kits and not having any gigs and just being excited to be able to play them because it just sounded killer, you know. Right. I got wait. Hang on. I got. Oh, that would be very exciting, especially because the guy knows what he's doing, so it's even more exciting because you know they're going to be better than you could do it. Yeah. Yeah, way better. And and maybe I'll learn something too, you know, about I'm I'm sure he'll be happy to try to teach me how to do it properly and I'll I'll retain it for a little while. <laughs> I probably won't ever do it. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe I'll get into it at some point. Um I used to like it. When I was young, I used to love to change my strings. I used to not I I I loved the whole process. I loved the end result. I didn't really love the whole process, but I enjoyed the whole process because of the end result that I was going to have brand new crisp bright sounding strings and uh, right so i enjoyed like the whole um you know getting the guitar polished and cleaning everything and wiping all the frets off and really make and buffing it some somebody taught me how to buff it i was cleaning them and he's like you need to buff this man and he showed me like how to how to buff on a bass i'm like oh this is cool man this makes it look great oh and yeah put new strings on it and so, so i enjoy i still kind of enjoy that it's just uh the adjusting the truss rod I'm i'm scared i'm always scared about adjusting the truss rod like oh, I'm gonna snap it, man. I know I'm gonna snap it. It just always feels when you when you. I don't know if you've ever done it, but when you're turning, oh yeah, cold it on a couple of bases. Yeah, when you turn in that truss rod, it's it's tight, man. It's not like it's not like it's loose. So it, you have to put some muscle behind it. And I always feel like oh, I'm gonna do this too much. I'm gonna snap this neck, but I never have snapped the neck. Thankfully, you know what's funny on the Rick, you can only loosen it. Oh really? Really? Like no, typically like you you you're backing it off, you know, to make the neck go the other way. Right. 
Because I told you when, when Cole went to buy that one base, it was buzzing, and the guy's like, there's a problem with it because it's, I, I, the, I've backed the nut off. It's loose, and the neck still won't go anymore. Right. So very interesting, but yeah, yeah. it'll be cool. It's cool. Yeah, and one of the I, the, I have three bases I'm bringing. One is the Fender 4-string, and the other is the, the Spectre 5-string, which I haven't used in a long time because it's just making a, like a <laughs> sound when you plug it in, and... and uh, and it's heavy. It's a really heavy bass. It's a it's a great sounding bass, but it's just it's it's heavy. You know, it hurts your neck after a while. But I haven't played it in a long time, and I really would like to break it out. And then the other bass is a is a five string that's not mine um, that I've just been holding on to for my friend Chris. And uh, there's something with going on with that too. So we're gonna get all three of them knocked out. In one day, and it, it really, it really makes me very excited. It really is going to change my world. And what's your main bass that you play? The you know, Fender, the regular gig bass, the Fender four string, just a P bass, no J pickup, anything, just P bass, Fender, Fender P. Yeah, and it's you know, I know how to play a Fender. I know how to make a Fender sound good. Uh, Fender sound good, you know, with just about all music. And uh, I know how to play it based on yeah, the very style versatile bass. Yeah, I know how to play it based on the style of music that I'm playing, and uh, I, I love it. But I do miss the five string. I haven't played a five string in a while, so I'd like to get that set up. So I'm very excited about that. Very cool happening. I just have to get up early tomorrow, like super early. To do What's this. super early? Like eleven? <laughs> I've been getting up at like seven thirty every day recently for you man it's early yeah it is but yeah so early that um, i have to be out of the house by like nine o'clock at the latest it's almost lunchtime dude <laughs> yeah uh but i got in a great nap today too a couple hour nap <laughs> i was it was so good it was just like a perfect mid-afternoon nap that really gave me a big recharge i've been working a lot on on cover band central and Chunk has been working a lot on Cover Band Central. And, dude, last week, when we started this episode, we started talking, I was telling you about how I was watching these numbers on Google Analytics climb and climb and climb. Yes, correct, and there was some kind of error. And it was a glitch. But I said something to the effect of, I think something like this is possible, or I would like to see it like this, or, or something like that. Well, in the last three days... It has been like that with numbers, and I can't fully explain it, but I do know why this traffic has picked up. And in the last three days, days, dude, we have broken the record of hits on the website. Every day, we've broken the record. Awesome. So we're up cra- like crazy cool numbers right now. It's... it's uh, it's like everything that I've always envisioned for this and wanted and wished for and hoped for is really coming into fruition here. Uh, and it's fun to watch, man. It is so oh, fun yeah. and gratifying to see this this happening. Um, I know what I did. I know what I did to, to make this work. And it's, it's bringing people into the website and it's getting us some... A little bit of cash flow so we can kind of build on this and that's really really helpful for for everything but oh it's, yeah but it's it's just fun it's like oh okay 
finally, this is working. This is a thing that, that I've, after all the things I've been trying, here's a thing that works. And so that it's really a testament to just sticking with something and you keep trying no matter what. Yes, believing in it. And believing in it, believing in it for sure, and having fun because I'm really having fun. I'm enjoying this whole process. I work constantly on this. Pretty much, if I'm not in the shower or sleeping, I'm working on Cover Band Central. Right. I'm looking at it. I'm studying it. I'm I'm changing things around, and I have this this big announcement tomorrow that I'm gonna uh, announce. Uh, big announcement that I'm gonna announce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, on the on the the page and the uh, the group, I'm going to go in and tell everybody. But we just uh, are launching now, and Chunk just well, you can't it. say it now. It's tomorrow. No, I'm going to say it now. I'm going to announce it out. So anybody that's listening to the podcast, they get a special treat hearing it early, um, like a War Pigs bonus track. Exactly. Except you don't have to wait uh, for four minutes before it comes on. Well, we could not talk for four minutes, and then you could tell them. Yeah, I think people would tune out. <laughs> you better talk quick. Tell them. We're launching an events page on the website. And what this is, is people have been coming into the group on Coverman Central every day for the last six years trying to promote their gigs. We're playing in uh, Milwaukee on Friday. Everybody come. You're targeting the wrong audience. This is an audience, a worldwide audience of musicians who are not going to come to your gig. Yeah, and this is, Sweden want to come. And this is, yeah. and this is a thing that we've been dealing with every day, and I have to delete them or try to teach them what to do instead of randomly posting your gig right. in, in there. Right. But what we've come up with is a way to post your gig on the website, and what this is going to do. Is going to build a calendar for you, so you go in and you put your your dates in there, and it's going to have all your dates, a link to your page, your profile on Coverband Central, any information you want to put in there, and it's going to be there for the world to see. So what we're going to do, once we get people in there putting their gigs in, we're going to promote this to the audience of people that want to come see bands play. So we're going to market Cover Band Central out there to the world, to the masses, the fans, the people who love musicians and love music and love going to see live music and love bands and want to support it. We're going to market to them, and they're going to be able to find you. So they're going to be able to search in their area. Who's, like, you know, they're traveling. Who's playing in Cleveland tonight? I want to know. I'm going to go to Cover Band Central and look it up, and they all they do is search in that area and everybody who has put their event in on the website will pop up and they they can click on it and see what kind of band you are they can check out your stuff and then they they will come see you play there and this is all for free it's all and promoting to the masses <laughs> it's all for free for everybody all you have to do is sign up and create a profile on Curbman Central, which is free, and then you put your info in there. So you want to sign up as a band and as an individual on the site and then add it to the calendar. I'm going to be talking about this a lot 
in the near future, but I'm going to announce it tomorrow on the web on the uh, Facebook page and in the Facebook group. Maybe I'll even write an article. What do you think, Chunk? Maybe I should write an article about it. Yes. Maybe I'll do that tonight. A launch article. A launch article, yeah. Maybe I'll do that tonight. That's probably a good idea, actually. I'm glad I thought of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think this is a game changer because I don't think there's any... There's there's things like bands in town out there where people where users can download that app and find bands playing, but there's nothing specifically for cover bands. So we right. So go to Cover Band Central, like you said. I'm I'm going to be in, uh, like you said, Milwaukee. Well, who's playing? I'm going to be in Colorado. Who's playing? Right. Who can I go see? I'm right. going to be in Uzbekistan. Who's playing? Right. And the other thing, not only can bands come in and, and do this, but um, venues can come in. You can sign up on the site as a venue, and you can come in here and put your venue dates uh, in the calendar. So you can say, say you have a uh, Mark's Pub. In uh, in Idaho, Tegucigalpa, Honduras. <clears throat> so you can come Mark's Pub. You can put in your dates and put who is playing at your pub on certain dates. So w- w- we want to make sure that we include the the musicians and the industry people too in this, so that you can come in and and we can all coexist in one happy snuggly place. Coverbandcentral.com. Um, I think this is a game changer, dude. I think so, and and I'm I'm so freaking excited about it. I'm so freaking excited to to let people know that this exists, and especially people that are fans, because there's a lot of people that just join the group or join the group that are just fans, and because they, they have to answer questions when they join, and a lot of them say, uh, "I love following cover bands," and I always let those people in. So I want to make sure that we include that community, um, because that's uh, that's a game changer, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we're we're taking over, and let's face it: without a cover band community and fans, there's no cover bands. Who are you playing to? The fans. Sure. Yeah. Yes. They need to be included, and I'm not. Sh- I don't think they're going to have to sign up for a profile to view things. I I don't think so. I don't see why they would have to. Right, because what if I just want to go on and look at the calendar, right? But I'm in town and I'm not a member of Cover Band Central. Can yeah. I just hop on, and take a look? I believe you can. You can just go in. I need to play with it tonight. Chunk just finished it this afternoon, so that's why I want to announce it. Some talk to whoever's in charge over there and tell them to get going. Okay. <laughs> well, it looks like you know. So I'm in here, but I'm logged in. But if I click on an event, it shows me picture, it shows me the event date and time, and people can put in. Uh, information. It's got the Google map there. shows where it is. You can click on that map. So if you're on mobile, this is going to work great for you. You can just click it and uh, click that map and, and and then ask for directions to said location. Yeah, that's huge. That That's big. Yeah, I think so, man. I'm really, really, really excited about it. I wonder if we can archive these too, these, these dates. I'm going to have to ask Chunk about it if, if he's not there already. Because it'd be nice to have a look back. Like twenty years ago in twenty twenty, um, Silent Bark played at McDuff's um, April seventeenth in Wayland, Michigan. That's funny because somewhere I have an eye of the storm poster, and on the back of it, we wrote I wrote down every gig, every date, every venue. I wish I did that, man. Never did that. You know, it's hundreds of gigs, but uh, I ha- I had them all somewhere. Really. 
Yeah, I, I, on the back of a poster, and every gig I wrote on, you know, I wrote it on the back of the same poster. I wish I did that. And it's from the bottom up because the poster was hanging in in the studio. You know what I mean? So we'd pick up the bottom and roll it up, and then write the date on it. Do you, and you still have those? Yes, I still have the posters. Yes. Uh, all right. I, I didn't realize this chunk answered me. He said he's working on the site now as he listens. So he's he's at like double cover, cover in central world. <laughs> he's working on the site and listening to the wisdom hour. Yes, he's fully immersed. He's fully immersed, neck deep. But we're we're at, we're about to take over, man. Me and Chunk, man, we're gonna we're gonna knock shit down. <laughs> it's world really, domination, baby. It's really very exciting. Pinky in the brain. And he said people without accounts can browse. So yeah, so but the, the, I'm sure they'll be but able to, to click on that information too. Yeah, Chunk knows what he's doing, man. I don't know how he's he's an angel. Angel from heaven that was sent to me. Chunk knows. Yes. Uh, so that's uh, so that's the big news in CBC world, and the fact that the traffic is just exploding. It's exploding, and I think it's really from people sharing shit now, and it's getting around because everything that's that I cool. everything that I post now on the page, and I've been doing this. I've had this schedule that I've followed for years, is eleven posts a day. But I've always done it right. just like put up an image or put up an article or whatever. And but now everything that I post on the page is links back to the website. Everything. That's that's right. the that's the strategy that I wanted to go with so that we can get traffic and it's it's working. It's you know, it's pretty much that simple. And and I knew it would because the stuff that I I'm basically posting the same stuff, same kind of stuff anyway, and some of the exact same stuff. But I'm just pointing it to the website now, and people are going. So it's it's pretty much just kind of giving people a sign, direction, go this way, and they're like, okay, <laughs> and it's uh, it's paying off now. Yeah. And then once they get there, they see all kinds of other cool stuff to yeah. investigate, and then they get they, then they're in. Yeah, yeah. We're really loading stuff up. I'm loading more memes all the time. Chunk has been writing. I've been writing more, and uh, and we're we're launching this calendar, dude. <sighs> So cool, so cool. It's gonna just enable us to do so many more things too. Um, I think it's game changer. I think it's this date should be marked in history, November nineteenth, two thousand nineteen. Yes, nineteen. There might be scholars listening back to this episode. Listen, that's eleven twenty nineteen twenty. Yes, eleven nineteen nineteen twenty. What? 11, 19, 20, 11, 19, 19, 2020. So 11, 19, 20. It's 11, 19, 19 right now. Not 20. Yes, but tomorrow's the 20th. You're announcing it tomorrow. Yeah, but I'm announcing it here now. I think right. there's going to be some... 11, 19, 20. There's going to be some scholars that are going to listen back to this episode <laughs> in, in, in yeah. like... Listen, in like, 40, in like 40, 50 years. So anybody who is 40, 50 years in the future listening to this now, hello, and how was the pizza? That's all. I yes, how was the pizza? And what does the music sound like? What does the music sound like? And do we have freaking jetpacks yet? Like, it's, it's 2019. How do we not have jetpacks already? I really wish I had a jetpack sometimes. I have one. Do you? 
Where do you get it? Lowe's? <laughs> built it. He built it. Me and Cole built it on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> made the voyage in it. No one got hurt. Work. I'm starting to not believe you with things like that. But seriously, <laughs> why do we have jetpacks? Yeah, is, it, is it because we can't moderate the traffic in the air? Is that what? Because you think people will be crashing into each other <laughs> in, in the air? Yeah, too many rule breakers. No one would pay attention to the traffic, please. I've had dreams. I've been, Hey, stop I've been that. Adios. <laughs> but the police would have faster jetpacks. Yes, but they can't possibly chase everybody. Right. But there's no obstacles in the air. Like Except on the other ground. people jetpacks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which isn't so bad, you know. Right. So, yes. Scholars in 50 years, I'm talking to you. I hope there's jetpacks by now. And remember this day in infamy when we change yes, the game in the, future. In the cover band world with having a calendar on the website. I know it seems like such a fundamentally simple thing, but if you understood how many people come in every day and try to promote their gig, it's like, no, go over here now. Go over here now and do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, but now they at least have a home and a place to do it. You know what I mean? So once you you know corral them to there, then they'll be once they get you accustomed to it, then you're you're hooked. Yes. You know? uh, As are they. Yes, I'm so excited. And then tomorrow, I, I was thinking of of nixing the VIP group, but instead, I I'm not going to. And I came up with something really good to talk about tomorrow. So. Anybody who's out there who's interested in joining the VIP group, there's a link on the website. You'll find it. If you can't find it, then email me and I'll send you the info. Um, but uh, a good a good thing. Some kind of related to what we were talking about before we started this episode. I can even say it. Can I say it? Can I give it away? Can I tease that too? What do you think? You do whatever he wants. The wisdom hour. That's true. Because um, we could get into it. But actually, I'm going to wait. I'm going to, because I want to, there's a big discussion that you and I get into about this. And I want to do that next week. Next week. Being Thanksgiving week, we can talk about gratitude, being grateful for things. Yes. Being thankful for things. And we could talk about this topic, which I think will kind of tie in to that. Thing. Cool. So I'm teasing 76 by saying that. We'll talk about that. But if you want to get in on the VIP group and discuss it tomorrow or or at least listen in, check out that link there. That's the Facebook Cover Band Central VIP group exclusive group that you have to be a member to join. You have to be accepted and subscribe and all that. It's good stuff. Excellent stuff. I really liked... I, I listened back... Oh, this is the other thing, too, with the website that I finally did, dude. Last week after the episode, I listened back and wrote down all the uh, timestamps of stuff we were talking about, wrote a little summary, and created a separate post for that episode. So there is a separate post for CBC Wisdom Hour 74, and I kind of put a little... Yeah, like synopsis, I put a link to that video that we were discussing the the one that you brought up the base uh intros oh yeah rick beato so that's all on that same page so anybody that wants to go 
you can listen to the the podcast there. You can see the summary. You can see the timestamps. So if you want to jump to a certain time and and listen to that topic. And you can also watch that video that we discuss, or you can watch along with it or, or whatever. You can watch it on your own. It's really good. So I'd like, I'd like, in addition for you to film yourself when you're playing, I'd like you to come up with some more things like that that we can uh, talk about, like videos like that, if, if you happen cool. to come upon them anyway and jot it down and oh, say, yeah. I have all kinds of stuff. You no, know, there's stuff that we can discuss on this because I, I think that was fun. Um, to yeah, no, there's a lot of good stuff out there that for topics of conversation. Yeah, and it was fun to listen back to. So I'm going to do that with this episode too. Afterwards, I'm going to listen back, write the timestamps, put up a separate post for this, so and try to come up with a uh, a good picture for that encapsulates what we talked about and yes, very links, cool links to things and stuff like that. Um, so it's becoming more immersive. This whole cover, the whole CBC Wisdom Hour experience, as well as the whole Cover Band Central experience. It's uh, you're, we're sucking you in, and we're not going to let you go. As soon as you come in, you're going to have to stay, and and check out all the goodies. And there's more coming. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on in my world. Um, no gigs scheduled except for December 21st. I'm playing in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. Nice. Yes. I'm playing in a casino on the 21st. And uh, I've heard things about the place, but I've never been there. I've heard the stage is very high above the people. And that you the drummer is playing a... Uh, electronic kit. I don't know if they're using in-ears. I don't think so, though. So, uh, looking forward to that experience. Always enjoy playing around the holidays. Christmas and all. And what's that date again? December 21st. I'm going to put it in the calendar on the website. I'm going to do that. You should get that going on the calendar. I'm going to. I'm going to do it tonight. I, like... Chunk just did it this late this afternoon or finished it and I said I'm gonna play with it tonight, which is what I'm gonna do, and then go in and make the big announcement tomorrow. I'm so excited. I feel like a little kid. So excited. <laughs> All giddy. That's good stuff. Um all right. That's so um I think that does it. We're we're uh Episode seventy five coming to a close. Yes. We will uh reconvene next week, Thanksgiving week. All right. Uh, are you doing anything? For the holiday, what are you doing? We're hosting um, people. Mm. Cool. How many people? So next week will be a busy, a busy week. How many people you got? Uh, we usually have 20, but I think we're a little lighter this year. I think maybe like um, 16, something like that. Hmm. That's still healthy. A, g- a good amount. You know, a decent, a healthy amount of people. Not like five people. Not like Not like family dinner. Right. Um, very cool. I, I'm probably going to go with my brothers. I'm not sure yet. Let's see. I might just want to work. I love working right now. It's so much fun. <laughs> I just That's because it's, it's something you're passionate about and you're enjoying it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's just exciting to see things transpire in real time, too. It's, it's, ah, it gives me the chills. I love it. Uh, all Good right. stuff, man. Yes. 
All right, my friend, another uh, Wisdom Hour comes to a close. Everybody out there, go to CoverBandCentral.com. Check out all the stuff we got going on. It's all good. Sign up for a profile for you, your band, or both. I recommend both. And um, visit us on Facebook, too. Like the page. Join the group. Check out VIP if you want to get in on the uh, on that. The conversation tomorrow is going to be really good. And uh, listen to the rest of the podcasts. And I don't know what else we got, but... We're happy you're here. Thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.